Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Bible and Me podcast. In this episode, Nigel speaks to Linvoy Primus, professional footballer, Christian philanthropist and disciple maker. This is a fantastic episode and we really hope it will bless you as much as it blessed us. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individual speaking and may not represent the views of Preset Ministries UK. We hope and pray that this podcast will bless you in your walk of faith. If it does, leave us a rating or review and subscribe for more podcasts every Friday. And now, without further ado, here's the podcast. I am really thrilled to welcome Linvoy Primus to the program today. I don't think I've ever interviewed a professional footballer before. Um, Linvoy is married to Trish. They have three children. Linvoy was a professional footballer for 17 years, playing over 400 professional matches, half of those in the Premier League. Due to his popularity with his Portsmouth fans, they renamed one of the stands at Fratton Park the Linvoy Primus Community Stand. Linvoy has walked the Great Wall of China, raising thousands of pounds for medical facilities and an orphanage in schools in Africa. In 2007, he released his autobiography called Transformed, detailing his conversion to Christ. He was awarded an MBE in 2015 for services to football and charity in Portsmouth. Linvoy loves the Lord and he loves God's word. Linvoy, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Nigel. Now, it wasn't always that way, was it, that you loved the Lord and, uh, and uh, following the Lord, was it? How did, um, what did it look like for you growing up? Where did you grow up? And uh, what are your childhood memories of going to church? Okay, so uh, I grew up in Stratford, East London, uh, home of the Olympics in 2012. And um, for 21 years, uh, I lived uh, in Henneker Flats. Or in fact, 18 years, I lived in Henneker Flats, lived on the 17th floor, uh, looking out towards uh, Essex. And in the skyline was uh, Upton Park. So I used to see those floodlights. Um, I, I love sport. Growing up, I always loved sport. Um, and uh, my parents being from the Caribbean, cricket was a big part of our lives as well. But when my dad used to take me out to, to watch cricket, uh, sorry, to play cricket, um, every now and again that little ball would hit me and it hurt. And I decided <laughs> no more, you know, I don't want to play cricket anymore. Um, but I, I, yeah, I love sport. Um, I love playing uh, football just in terms of just running about. I had a lot of energy, so I was quite athletic and just wanted to be out uh, playing uh, sport with my friends if possible. Um, church was a big part of our lives growing up. Um, my grandparents uh, lived in Battersea, and most Sundays we would uh, go da- go and see them uh, w- and meet my cousins. But there was a certain time in the day where you couldn't make a noise, and that was when songs of praise was on. So, <laughs> so we were we'd be gathered around the table. The TV was on. If you made any noise, you were certainly going to get told off so uh so church um and and uh uh things around religion and christianity were what i was part of uh, in terms of being in church um we used to go to a little church down the road from us um it was church of england uh it always felt like um we were the only family in there i'm sure we wasn't but i think the biggest thing for me was uh i was in there but none of my friends were they were all out playing football so um so there was always that little bit of resentment of, of going um but i was part of sunday school um knew the stories knew the characters and in in some way i suppose there was an understanding of the christian faith but without the understanding of uh the big picture um so you know growing up in and around that was fine but the big thing for me was 
I wanted to be outside uh, kicking the ball around. <laughs> and uh, so when the opportunity came to, to leave church, um, I wouldn't say I walked out, I ran. Um, but it was only because, like I say, it felt like another extension of school. It, it didn't feel like it was a, um, you know, the, the I wouldn't say the happiest place, that's wrong, because there were happy moments. But probably, you know, if it was weighing up sport or being in a building, sport would always win. Yeah. So what what <coughs> sparked your love of, of football? Um, yeah. Was it always going to be football? Or, I mean, you mentioned cricket there, but yeah. it was. I guess football was just part of you, was it? You yeah. just loved that. Yeah, I suppose the area we, we grew up in as well, you know, um, football was a, was a big focal point. You know, West Ham were was successful in terms of uh, a style of football, a brand of football um, that they used to play. So they were renowned uh, through the country as a, a, a certain team um, who also had players that were part of the World Cup team. So there was, a, there was something famous about West Ham um, and Leighton Orient wasn't too far away from me as well. So football was, was always around. And I think for boys in that area to, to own a football at that time was was quite um, something quite special um, to play organized football was something quite special because <coughs> excuse me because um, if you played organized football you know you had real goals and you had nets and it's like wow this is amazing um, so that was in school time but I never actually started playing until I was 12 but the moment I knew that I wanted to play football uh, on a regular basis was when I watched the cup final between Tottenham and Manchester City and one of the guys scores an amazing goal you know dribbles past a few players and puts it in the, the bottom of the net and as he does that I, I, you see the reaction of the crowd but the thing for me was if he can do it so can I you know and I was only eight when I said this oh my um, word but there was a there was a sense that you know wow you can you could you could have uh, so much fun on the pitch and do that and see what the reaction of people uh, God, that'd be good but I also knew that for that to happen you have to be very good um, but for me it was just about playing I just wanted to play I just mm. wanted to get involved and, mm. and that started when I was how did your football develop in your teenage years mm. um, well I that started um, just through my friend inviting me to play uh, on a, one Sunday to come along and I knew it was going to be a conflict with my mum and dad, so I sneaked off and uh, <laughs> and I went and uh, and I played. And um, you know, at that moment, it wasn't about being a professional. It's just about wow, look, th these guys are on my team, and I can pass, or I can receive the ball. I didn't understand about offside or anything like that. I just thought, wow, this is good fun. Um, and then what progressed over the next couple of years? Um, you know, we, we went from a bad team of losing 15, 20 nil most weeks <laughs> to starting to win games and, and starting to improve. And then the manager of the team just said he believed in us. Um, he felt that in his own life he'd made mistakes and he didn't want us to go down the same path. And, uh, and an opportunity to, to play a higher level, high level of football was available. And he said he'd write to every club in and around London to try and uh, get the... Um, the, the scouts to come and watch and, it, and you know when you think about it he wrote individual letters you yeah. know 15 yeah. 20 letters like proper letters proper letters yeah <laughs> no email and you know just <laughs> write it once and send it out uh, copy and paste so um so even that in itself was an effort but uh, most of the clubs wrote back and said that they would send scouts but charlton wrote back and said we will um why don't you bring your team to play us so we went over and played them we got beat six nil but that was like a victory because we used to get beat quite a lot um <laughs> 
But off the back of that game, uh, the Charlton coach just said, you know, some of your players are pretty good. Um, we would like to see them uh, a little bit closer on a regular basis. Um, so would you allow them that to happen? And, and the manager said, yeah. And five of us went over and started to train with Charlton. And uh, and that's where the dream started to come alive. Really? What age were you then? I was 14. No, that's yeah. young, isn't it? It is young, but in, in this day and age, it's, you're probably a veteran then. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> because uh, you know, the, the, the most a, lo- a number of clubs have got um, under, say, sevens and under eights now at professional level. So uh, because they are trying to train them earlier and put them in an environment that... Uh, supposedly makes them better footballers. Goodness but me! Big thing is about having fun, you know. And sometimes that environment doesn't really breed as much fun as you you'd like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now you were a professional footballer from 1992 to 2008. Uh, yeah. Played in the Premier League. Um, what's it like being a pro footballer? I mean, yeah. you know, for those of us not in the know, mm. we we have a view of this high life, and yeah. you know, what's what's the reality of that? And maybe could you? Um, maybe some of the highs um, and the lows yeah. of that as well okay. what's it like so what's it like well you you know you are there are demand you are training every day uh, you know your regime is set out for you your diet set out for you um, you know your it doesn't matter if you're not feeling great one day you still have to perform at a certain level uh, within training to to continue to improve to understand the what the manager or the coach wants for you uh, to produce for the the game at the the weekend, um, but you know, but if you ask any person that's trying to become a professional football, you'll do that every day. You don't mind, and um, but I think what changes is the 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 pressure of uh, getting results, the the pressure of performing well, uh, knowing that you're being judged. You know, uh, whether it's on a Saturday. Uh, Tuesday or in training um, so all those things that come into it and you have to you know there, there is a, a discipline that you have to have you have to be you know there is a focus there is a selfishness as well because if you want to be the best you know sometimes there's things around that you can't get involved with um, that can hinder that as well so a lot of discipline um, you're in a in a, an environment where uh, there's a lot of uh, young men together so there's a lot of uh, banter. banter, yeah. There's a lot of banter, <coughs> but there's also uh, a sense of uh, a lot of um, uh, what's the word? Uh, a, a sense of insecurity as well, because you know you're in a team, but you you're playing for your next contract. You're playing to be uh, picked for the next game, and you could be sitting next to somebody that's also up for a contract, playing in your position. Uh, so there's a lot of other things going on in that time, but. Above all, you know, the, the one big thing that you realise is that you are able to express yourself, you're able to, you know, keep reasonably fit. Um, and with that, you know, you're, you're in a privileged place because, you know, the reality is not many uh, get that opportunity. So um, there's, there's lots of good things, some highlights for me. Um, my first professional contract, because, you know, that's what you set out to do once you're in the system realizing that you know my time at Charlton I probably trained with about 60 boys from the age of 14 through to to 18 and only two professional contracts were offered so that was a big milestone my debut uh, live on TV getting man of the match that was pretty special oh wow yeah that was uh, you know no time to be nervous I was only told about an hour uh, before the game that I was playing 
um, and you know you, you walk out and it's like wow this is amazing uh, no time for fear you know you just get on with it um, so that was pretty good uh, promotion to the Premier League you know that in itself uh, especially at this stage of the of uh, in my career in terms of age where I was it was it was uh, quite late on so that experience of, of being promoted and being a champion as well um, it only happened to me once so uh, so that was a, a really really amazing experience and winning the FA Cup as well that was that was good even though I didn't play that was the thing I didn't get to play I was injured but um, a, a very quick memory of when I was growing up my parents took me to Wembley the old Wembley to to do a tour and one of the uh, things you're able to do is hold the fake FA Cup so I held it you know there's somebody in the back does a little sound thing so makes a, makes the sound of the crowd and uh, but when I came down those steps I said to my parents one day I will hold the real FA Cup and it came it came to me in 2008 how? so how? yeah so that was really spe uh, pretty special how amazing yeah. what about low points low points um, injuries yeah um, you know dealing with injuries um, relegation got relegated once with Reading um, missing the cup final um, you know in, in one breath it was amazing and in, in the next it was oh, uh, this was probably one of the biggest moments of any footballer's career and mm. I wasn't involved mm. it was a big moment in the, uh, the football club's history and I've been involved in big moments up to there and uh, and I wasn't involved so that was tough um, and I think the the first um, moment or the first moment the first time I was rejected um, and when I was told that I wasn't uh, wanted it by the football club anymore um, that was pretty low because that affected my career uh, for the next probably eight to eight to ten years um, in a in a negative way and I was able to hide it you know because uh, because of those insecurities uh, that that are around football you, you know you're able to put a mask up put a wall up nobody can come inside that and see what's going on mm. I was able to get away with it but um, but I mm. think that's where the dissatisfaction came of playing football mm. because of those uh, those lows. Mm. Now, on your uh, faith and football charity website, you mm. say that football was my God. Yeah. Everything I did, all the decisions that I made were geared towards my ambition of success and fame through football. Mm. So how did you become a follower of Jesus then? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's interesting. Um, so, you know, when we, we, we speak about the low times, uh, I think what I realized was that football, I thought, as an eight-year-old, I thought being a footballer was going to be the best thing ever. Um, but when you're, when you're actually in the system, in the football system, you realize there's lots of other things going on, lots of things that are out of your control, uh, people's opinions of you, um, your, the way your body copes with, with stress, with uh, full-time training, you know. Uh, with the injury situation uh, uh, mentally as well it, it's challenging and, and psychologically within that so there's lots of things that are going on and 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 I'd got to about 24 and and where I'd given football everything I thought I'd given football ev everything the moment I got told by Charlton that I wasn't good enough that I could leave the club as a 20 year old by the time I got to 24 years old the rejection and the hurt and the pain that I'd suffered at that, that moment um, I was able to what I thought would, would, would satisfy me I thought I was going to get the answers by playing against Charlton again and proving that what they'd done was a mistake 
and I played that game and against Charlotte and we beat them and I still wasn't happy you know I, there's still there's something missing and probably two years after that within the next two years I thought money was going to solve this 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 pain and this this dissatisfaction uh, but it never did and then my wife um, started to suffer with depression and and on paper I had what the world said would make you happy so I had the family had the house had the, the career um, had the the, the lifestyle really and um, but I still wasn't happy and then with my wife's illness that was it it was like there must be more to life than this so with that asking those questions but I, I got moved to, uh, to Portsmouth um, got transferred to Portsmouth and um, while we were here two people started to speak to my wife about uh, was just paid interest in my wife because they saw that she wasn't well um, and then they invited her to church and straight away my you know my fears came in because I thought church you know what's it going to look like and in fact I remember what it's going to look like it's not going to be great um, but the biggest thing for me as well was trust I, I didn't I'd, I, I, within the world of football I'd, I'd lost faith in people because I'd been ripped off a couple of times um, for promises were made to me that weren't fulfilled um, and with that, it was like, well, we were very lonely as well because the the, the, the job, because it was now a job, because we were dependent on it for a living, had now um, had now uh, brought people into our lives that wanted to take from us. So we kept people at arm's length. So these people uh, who were speaking to my wife and uh, wanting to invite her to church, I'm thinking to myself, we need to just make sure this isn't a weird thing here, you know. <laughs> um, so anyway, we, my wife and myself have a discussion about it, and, and I said, okay, I'll come with you, you know, and I'll, just in case it is a bit weird. And I remember saying to the children, don't, you know, make any noise, because don't draw attention to yourself. That was your memory of yeah, it. That was my memory, yeah. And I also thought, don't get eye contact with anyone, <laughs> you know, because they're going to want something, you know, there's going to be, there's got to be something. And you've got to remember as well, what I'd been hearing over the years about church wasn't great. We, you know, you, stories were coming in the paper and lots of different things. So with all of that, there's a lot of uh, uh, things in my head what were negative about church. Anyway, we, we, we went to church and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, it was, a, it was a modern building, there were no queues, there was no organ, there was a band up the front. And I thought, this is a setup, this can't be right. <laughs> um, but more importantly, uh, even though I got over that, but more importantly was the message that I heard that morning. It was a, a message of, um, from a guy who said he had everything but was empty. And I thought, he's speaking about me. And, and at that point, it was like, wow, you know, how's this guy know? I haven't told anybody. And actually, we're not even here for me. We're here for my wife. And then and then, within the moment, that, wow, the, there's something here, went to uh, quickly disappear because he mentioned Jesus. And I thought, why has he mentioned Jesus? What's yeah. that about? And then he said, Jesus is alive today. And, you know, he's got a relationship with him. And I thought, nah, this guy's crazy. Anyway, we leave the church and we get into the car and you know we were quietly saying, well, what do you think it was like? And my wife said she enjoyed it. And I said, yeah, I thought it was okay too. But deep down I thought that was brilliant. But then I thought, well, I need to know more. 
I need to know more. So my teammate, a guy called Darren Moore, he was a Christian as well, and uh, and I started to ask him questions, you know, and he 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 go to the Bible, show me the answers. I think, oh great. Then then I think to myself, right, he's giving me answers. I'm going to ask the guys at church the same questions, and they had the same answers, and they'd go to the Bible, and then I think to myself, Darren must be asking, must be telling them <laughs> that Limboy's going to phone up, <laughs> and uh, sorry, Limboy's going to come in and ask you these questions. So get prepared. Yeah, get ready, you know. And then I realised it wasn't that. But, <laughs> but you can see where my thought process was that I didn't trust anybody. Mm. You know, it, whatever this Christian faith was, whoever Jesus was, then I needed to know for me, not you know, not nothing being conjured up. And anyway, went up for about six weeks, and in the end, there was there was a couple of moments where I just knew that either I've got this wrong or they've got it wrong. But I could, I was looking in their eyes. I, I didn't know it at the time, but I could look in their eyes and I saw peace. And that's what I was chasing, but I didn't know it was peace. And I just said, look, what have you got? And they, they, they you know, walked me through the gospel. They walked me through the good news. They walked me through the, the broken relationship with God and how Jesus had to come uh, to restore that relationship. But he had to die on the cross, pay the price for us, die on that cross, but rose again on the third day. Now, when they were saying it didn't make sense, I've heard the stories, I knew about the Christmas story, I knew about the Easter story, but I didn't know the, 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 that it wasn't about um, how often we went to church. I didn't know about that. I didn't know that, sorry, when I say how often we go to church, I used to think it was about how often we went to church and how good we were but not realizing that it was nothing to do with that at all. It was just about accepting what Jesus had done for me mm, on that cross. And then more importantly, starting that relationship with God through that. Mm. And you know what, when I heard that, like I say, it didn't make sense, but I just knew, I don't know what I knew, but I just knew it was something. Um, so I, I said a little prayer acknowledging that. Um, and at the end of that little prayer, I say, amen, I open my eyes, you know, I'm praying with, with my friend from who's from church, open my eyes, expecting God's hand to point him and say, Limbo, you're the man, nothing. And then, um, but within, you know, the next six weeks, you know, a couple of amazing things happened where I met Jesus, you know, I met him uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that just, it was just peace. I just met him in peace, like my whole being was just flooded with peace. And, and because of that, that moment, there was nothing, I, I, I'm a bit of a science guy, you know. If you're telling me this is a table, I want to touch it and feel it. If you're telling me this is a chair, I want to I want to feel and see what it does. But you're telling me this is Jesus and he's alive today. I need some evidence of that. The word I can see and read, but I need something more. And all of a sudden, reading the word, when I just what I say is the word is the Bible. When I read the Bible, when I was reading the Bible, the things about Jesus and the things that were being done to him hurt. They hurt me like it was a family member but then the moment where I, I had that experience of peace it was like the two just fitted together and that was it and I went from not knowing who Jesus was to actually realizing that I'm with him and he's with me and um, and I yeah it, it's been amazing and that's how I, my I started to follow him you met the Prince of Peace. I met the Prince of Peace, how, without doubt. How awesome is that? Now, in 2007, you wrote a book mm. called Transform. Now, no, I mean, that's a big thing to write a book, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, 
why did you write the book and, and what sort of feedback you had from it? So yeah. it's called Transformed. Transformed um, can right. you get it on Amazon? Or, or you can do. We've still yeah. got uh, an, uh, some paperback copies with, with yeah. the charity. So yeah. the big thing was I was, because I was pretty vocal about my faith, uh, because, you know, I, I was healed as well at that point um, when I had that encounter of a knee injury. And I'd done a lo uh, an article in the paper and the guy that wrote the article was a Christian in the local paper. So even that in itself was, was he, he wrote in such a, a, a nice way, you know, it wasn't laughed at or anything like that. Um, so people knew about my faith, but there were still moments where I, I'm sure a lot of people were watching me and they saw over a course of time that this is real for him. So I was starting to be invited to go and share my story, you know, but in the end, because football w was my job and that's where, you know, I had to, to live out, you know, my faith in in terms of of, of the job. Uh, I knew I couldn't be everywhere, so we thought if we do this book, at least people, if I can't be there, people can read the book. And because I started the charity Faith in Football as well, uh, it was a way of um, bringing in uh, bringing in income for the charity. So so that was the the, the heart behind it really, and uh, the feedback has been, you know fairly positive it, most times um, I've seen the odd uh, been to the odd car boot sale and seen it in there for a pound or 50p <laughs> um, but I think in general uh, it's been pretty positive because I, I don't hold any punches in terms of how I was feeling while I was playing before I became a Christian uh, the disappointments the, the struggles but I, I also don't hold back and you know how Jesus impacted my life because for for a, a number of people who wouldn't understand the Christian faith when they read that that'd be like wow that's a bit far out that's a bit stretched but what you realize is that when you read other people's books about their conversion and their moment where they met Christ it's very similar mm. you know and a lot of us wouldn't have met but we still come to the same point and, and I think that's where people are sort of drawn to and and appreciate actually we, we we appreciate his honesty even if we don't agree we appreciate that so it's been mixed stuff come back but most of it pretty positive wonderful now you are involved in a charity called faith and football that's right um what what does the charity do yeah so the charity originally uh again i i should give you a bit of a backstory but when i was 15 14 15 i i prayed you know to to god and I said, oh God, if I make it, I'm going to give something back, you know, to, to this community that I come from in Newham. Um, and because I was just desperate, you know, it was like, I'll do a deal sort of thing without knowing who God was, you know, and do this deal. Anyway, um, the, the, when God reminded you of the deal. <laughs> I can see this coming. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> but the, the funny thing was, I never, I knew I was never going to get back to London. I just knew I wasn't. And it was like, well, how would this be fulfilled in any other way? And the chaplain at the football club, a guy called Mick Mellows, he was a former player, um, and he had an idea about a charity. And uh, so I used to meet up with him once a week. Darren Moore, similar sort of heart as, uh, as mine, that we want to give something back. Uh, both being Christians, all three of us being Christians, thought, well, why don't we use football as a way of engaging with the community? But rather than us host it, let's get the local church to host it because then the, the community can see that the everybody in the local church is normal. 
even though we meet in this on a Sunday in the building, that's just part of our worship. But the reality is we want to love our community. So we use football uh, to, 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 uh, as the handshake. And off the back of that, loads of people in different communities saw the local church for what it really, uh, who they really were. And uh, not just that, they, they actually started to, to build relationship and form uh, friendships that were, were, were real, that weren't misunderstood. And we were able in that time to take the, the um, how God had been represented or, or interpreted in the world, we were able to break that down and show, uh, show the community that, no, this is who God is, this is who Jesus is. Mm. And, uh, and we saw many, many people come to faith uh, in Christ through those projects that we, we, we ran. Mm. So it's been great. And we've got reading projects now. We've underachieving readers. Um, and you know some of the stories of, of kids who confidence have grown because they they're able to read uh, and because we were able to use Bible stories as the reading material all of a sudden in within the schools the kids are going home and talking about Jesus with their families Fantastic. You know, amazing Isn't and we that? were told you know these books will never be allowed in schools we were told that but yet the schools were were so desperate to help their children that they they said look just bring in whatever you've got we don't mind but another nice thing was we were able to, to reach uh, uh, um, within congregations, people that felt they'd had nothing more to give, we were, we were able to encourage them to be reading mentors and build relationships, not with, just with the children, but with families too. Mm. And, and that, then you started to see uh, a, a number of, of healing processes going on in terms of some children didn't know their grandparents, all of a sudden some of these, uh, reading mentors became surrogate grandparents and then they also helped families that you know there's lots of difficult things going on they were able to help those families as well so you know the reading was was brilliant but the the knock-on effect for the families was even better Decent, um, oh, fantastic yeah. now in 2015 you were awarded an mbe yeah. for your <laughs> services to football and and charity in portsmouth which is just fantastic i have to say Thank you. now I understand that Prince William was the one that gave you the MBA. That's right. Now was, I know yeah. he's a bit of a football fan. So, yes. so what? As he was giving you this wonderful um, MBE, what mm. what did he say to you? So he, he well, it's funny. You you walk into the room and you've got this a, is at the palace. This yeah, this is at the palace. No, this is at Windsor Castle. Okay, so Windsor yeah, Castle. So yeah, you walk in and uh, you're told beforehand where you've got to stand and what to do before. You know, so I walk in, I go in the wrong area straight <laughs> away, and, I, and there's a guy uh, standing next to uh, Prince William, just you know, uh, moving his hand to me and saying like, "Come over here." So I, I make my way over, and um, and I realise right, there's a little area that he has to stand in, and do not encroach on that, otherwise you'll be taken down. You know, so <laughs> so I was like, I was wary of that, but he just said to me, um, "Linvoy, so uh, nice to meet a footballer who's receiving this award." Uh, award uh, not for uh, just football but for services to charity he said it's amazing what you've been doing um, and uh, thank you very much and I said oh thank you and I said and I thought to myself someone reminded me as an Aston Villa fan and Aston Villa were in the final of the <laughs> FA Cup yeah. and I quickly said to him because I knew everybody was going to talk about his first um, uh, child so I, I quickly said to him oh so you're looking forward to the cup final then and his body language changed, you know, he was like, oh, something I wasn't expecting. We're going to have a bit of a chat here. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a chat. And he said, well, you know, he said, I'm going to be there and I've got to award the, the, the FA Cup to the winner. 
and he said, I don't think it's going to be Villa. I think it's going to be uh, <laughs> Arsenal, and he was right. Uh, but it was lovely. It was a lovely moment, and uh, it just showed um, to how down-to-earth he was and how prepared uh, he, he, he was to engage in a conversation that was off script. Yeah, how mm. awesome. Now, I know you love, you love the Lord, you love the Word of God. Yeah. Uh, why, why is the Bible important to you? Well, I, in my life, um, when I was searching for answers, you know, I looked at a number of, di- I looked in a number of different places. Uh, some were, were deemed as um, educational, spiritual, um, some were to do with cars, some were to do with football and things like that for answers. Um, but when I, I started to read the Bible um, for myself from a different perspective of uh, just trying to read it from cover to cover, I started to realize that God's love for me was was so evident in Jesus. It really was. But there was still a lot for me to understand. But what I started to understand through reading on my own and with other people in, in small groups that the Bible's alive. You know, the Bible is alive today. And one, uh, one of the big moments for me when I realized um, that what I'm reading is relevant for this moment was, uh, was to do with football because all of a sudden I was in a position where I've been told my future doesn't, um, is not going to be at Portsmouth anymore. And I remember the, the chaplain said, Lynn, don't worry, I've got a Bible verse for you. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it for God. I thought, what's that mean? He said, play for God. You know, you've been given gifts, you've been given a talent, play for God. And and I looked at it and I thought, I still don't get it. But I thought, I, I'm going to apply this. I'm going to apply what it says. Just do this for God. Don't Because in the past, I've worried about everybody, what everyone thought. But if God loves me, win, lose, or draw, he's still going to love me. <laughs> and I'd walk onto that pitch, and there was a peace. There was a freedom. There was a real sense of, I'm playing this game the way that I wanted to play when I was eight years old. So and the I, result was less important than actually the way that you played because yeah, you were doing it for the Lord. Lord, yeah. And and because of that, I, was, I, I went on there. I didn't, my commitment was the same. You know, my, my desire to win was the same. But the reality of that was I was playing 100% and I knew, and there was another thought process, God knows the end from the beginning, so he probably knows what the result of this game's going to be, you know, <laughs> so how can I affect that? Well, all I can do is just play 100%. And when you've got that, it's like the whole world had lifted off my shoulders. So that was the evidence of the Bible being alive and relative to, mm. to what I was doing. And also... Um, Another verse that was given to me was uh, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that God's got plans for my life, and I I know the context of that that verse in terms of where it is in the Bible. It, it means a lot more for what was going on at that point. Yes, because it's 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 Jeremiah. It's a word for Jeremiah uh, for the people the, in exile, yeah, isn't exactly, it? Exactly. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to bring you back, and yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. with that, it was it was. But at that moment, when I heard that verse, I thought I've worried about the future. I've worried about the past. I've worried about things I've done. But God, if you've got plans for me, okay, let, let's try and move in that now. Let's try and live in that. And um, so that's why my desire 
to to read the Bible and understand the Bible and and relate to what God's saying, um, not just to the people at that time, but to me today. Mm. That's why my desire to to read it is so high. Wonderful. Now I know that you are a fan of inductive study. You yes. even use some of our preset <laughs> Bible do, studies, which is amazing. Yeah. Tell us why do you why do you what is it about this way of studying that mm. you find helpful? And tell us some of the context that you're actually using these uh, precept studies with others yeah, and, okay. and the effect that you're seeing with that. Yeah, so um, why? I think one of the, the, the struggles, as much as I love reading the Bible, uh, one of the struggles I had was trying to uh, see the context of what I was reading and sometimes the application of what... Uh, what was being said at that point and because and, and I'm not saying this in a negative way but as in the sports world you can get become very lazy so you could read something but you're then on to the next thing um, but with inductive studies it, it's been really it's given me a lot of confidence to know that I could sit down across the, the table from somebody and work through this book and hear God's voice clearly on specific subjects so the, on two fronts it's been it's given me confidence to do bible studies with people uh but on the the the, the, the other point is that how it really speaks into the situation of what the study is about and and seeing it and what's nice the questions that uh are based around it really lead you to a place of there's not one answer that's the prescriptive answer but it's the way God's speaking to you in in that and to be able to discuss that to and fro with somebody is quite amazing um, how I'm using it today is a, I work for a charity called Christians in Sport and uh, my role within that is to support uh, elite footballers you know playing at a professional level and one of the hardest things those guys have is being in church on Sunday because it is football is seven days a week so can we help them while they're they're going uh, in between churches or they're not able yes we can but we can help them by getting the word open with them and uh, there's one or two players that I do the inductive study with and what I can say what's happened to them it's like the light bulb moment you know some of the things they read they they're really they're either challenged or they're, they're seeing it in such a different way to what they've seen it before because they're not just reading it from front to back, they're reading it within, uh, with, with an intention of seeing, well, this is the subject, this is what, uh, this is what Jesus is asking, this is what being, uh, we're, we're discussing, what did it say to you? And, and what else is really nice? Once the word's open, the word is the expert. It's not Limboy, it's not the person who I'm sitting with, it's the word of God that's the expert and that's the best leveler. And, and what that also brings is a confidence that the person you're sitting with can say, well, this is what it looks like to me. But you can say, well, okay then, what it looks like to you in this area, here's how you can see it. And all of a sudden they realize that they could possibly sit down with a teammate and read through something. So it's been amazing. It's been, like I say, it's given me a new, um, it's not a new lease of life, that's the wrong way to put it, but it's just given me a, a confidence to know that I could sit down with anybody. If anybody's searching, if anybody is in that place where they think, you know what, I, 
I want to have a look at this but I don't know you could sit down with them and say look let's just have a look at this passage here here's the questions that it's asking what do you think mm -hmm. and you know that it's the word of God speaking to them not my philosophy not my big ideas but it's the word of God and uh, and it's so yeah it's so refreshing wonderful I think uh, I, I've probably said this on on this podcast uh, a, a number of times but uh, the, the verse that really struck me a couple of years ago was from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, which mm -hmm. is Paul obviously writing to Thessalonians saying, um, you know, thank God that when you received the word of God, you accepted it mm -hmm. as the word of God rather than as the word of man. Yeah. You know, you accepted it for what it really is, mm -hmm. the word of God. And then he says at the end of that verse, which is at work in you who believe. Yeah. And, and I always challenge people to say, you know, if we believe that the word of God, just as you've described, um, does do a work mm. then we've got to get people into into the word yeah. and as you say I, I love that the fact you're just sitting down maybe one or one or one or two guys and let's let, hey let's open up the word together mm. and these these 40 minutes that i know you've been doing the very challenging <laughs> book the cost the co being <laughs> a disciple yeah. counting the cost, cost yeah. i mean and uh it's a challenging book mm. there is a cost to following jesus yeah and and that's out of jesus's own mouth saying that um so just really um it's a great encouragement for us to hear that that you're doing that and yeah. just pray that god blesses the meetings that you have Thank and he uses it in, yeah. in a just a wonderful way to help people in their own journey you yeah. know? now there may be somebody uh, listening to this today who's not a believer but maybe searching or they've had some bad experiences of church or or christians mm -hmm. um but they understand this there's something out there, but they can't yeah. sort of quite get a handle on it. Yeah. What would you say to that person? Well, you know what, I, I re I'll refer back to me. Uh, when I heard that Jesus was alive today, it got me asking questions. And the people who uh, I asked the questions to, the Christians I was asking, never came back to me with their thoughts, but they would show me verses in the Bible that would then go on to their thoughts and and I would say if you've got those questions find somebody if, if you think there's something more than what you see find somebody within uh, the Christian uh, faith to have those conversations with I'd say secondly so questions are good. Que oh, without that, questions, questions are, are good. good. Yeah, yep. yeah, definitely. Because some of the answers I got, I didn't like, you know, <laughs> but I was seeing them there. And what ended up happening, I, I would think about those answers. I keep thinking about them without knowing it, what was happening, me thinking about it, it was God speaking to me again, but I wouldn't have known that. Um, so something was changing in me as I'm thinking about those answers as well and looking at those answers myself. So definitely ask questions, mm. you know, don't mm. don't go into it blind, ask and, you know, even if you don't understand those answers, ask a bit more. Um, secondly, I say, don't be put off by the, 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 the building. Don't be put off and think it's about being good and being in church every Sunday. Don't be put off by that. Don't, that's nothing. Uh, that The Sunday is the icing on the cake. You know, but if you're not there, it's not the end of the world. That, that's the that's the other thing. But it is important to be there if you can. But that's not the end of the world. But the the main thing is recognizing that 
it's not religion but it's relationship with God through Christ if you can start to see it in that sense start to see it in that way or the truth in, in that way again it just breaks everything that says it's it's uh, it's weird or it's about the person uh, or other Christians it breaks all of that because ultimately it's where you are with God and where you are with God with Christ you're next to him without Christ you're not now I'm saying that but you need to see that and the <laughs> only way you're going to see that is by getting into the word and um, and the word the Bible don't be put off by seeing a thick book and thinking that's too much there are smaller books you know the preset they're, 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 they're great there are smaller books that will take you on a step by step uh, to answer those questions so um, you know investigate ask the questions definitely ask the questions and all the thoughts that are putting you off and trying to keep you away challenge those thoughts those things that try to put you off by asking those questions and um, and seeing the answers in the word of God fantastic Linvoy it has been a real pleasure to no meet you, I, 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 Thank when, you. I, when I was 12 or 13 I wanted to be a professional footballer <laughs> now I'm sitting in front of one you know so no honestly I, and I just um, I know you've been up to Salisbury and mm. you've given uh, your testimony at the men's That's breakfast right. there and I was really impacted uh, by what you had to share and just um, you really are looking to follow the Lord mm. and to point others to him and uh, so just bless you, bless the charity, bless the work that you're involved with. It's thank been a real privilege to speak to you. Uh, so thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you for what you're doing because, you know, it's, it's been 16, 17 years since I first, uh, you know, uh, asked Jesus into my life and called him my Lord and Saviour. And it's been, you know, in that time I've got, read many things, but in terms of this, the, the Christian journey, how bumpy it can be, but to have the opportunity to to look at these books and have the confidence to know that I can sit with somebody else that's done it fair, you know, well done to you for being obedient and having these available because um, you know what you what you've allowed is that to to go on to another generation in a way that is needed, you know that's the thing it's needed in a different way and this this is perfect so thank you. Oh, thank you. You have been listening to The Bible and Me podcast by Preset Ministries UK. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the subscribe button now and consider leaving us a rating or review. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry or make a donation, visit www.precept.org.uk or follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Preset Min UK.